Is it weird to talk to me right now in this manner? I mean, it is. It's been so long. I feel like, oh, I was trying to remember when when we actually recorded. And before I guess Christmas. Or the last time we recorded together. Yeah. Just, yeah, it was before Christmas. So we're back and we're we're making some changes because life has handed us many changes. Yeah. Um, the whole lemon, gonna... lemon lemonade thing. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So... As we're recording this, do you want to talk about what a momentous day this yeah, is yeah. for you this and your is, family? This is D-Day. This is Discharge Day. So um, as, uh, you know, um, our our crew, our audience, the the, the right way verse uh, knows, yeah, uh, my wife got diagnosed with um, a very aggressive um, form of blood cancer. Uh, and she spent 34 days, uh, in inpatient combination, uh, bone marrow, uh, transplant ICU, and then, uh, the hematology oncology ward at Presbyterian St. Luke's hospital in Denver. And, um, she finished what is uh, referred to as the induction phase, which is the first phase of a um, very, uh, significant chemotherapy regimen, um, which lasts 30 days. And in those 30 days, they, uh, administer enough chemo and steroids to hopefully get the cancer itself into a state of manageable remission so that they can then spend the next three years, uh, continuing to do the same thing. But, um, on day thirty, you get a a, a follow up bone marrow biopsy, and it's got to be it's got to be clean, um, in order to move on to uh, the the second phase, which is referred to as consolidation, which is largely outpatient. So last week she had uh, we got the results of um, a totally clean bone marrow well, can biopsy. Can we say it was ninety six percent cancer? Yeah, her her, before, bone, right? her bone Correct? marrow was it was ninety six percent cancer cells, and now uh, there's no detectable leukemia in her bone marrow. Um, and which, which is means, which is miraculous. <laughs> and it's, it's what they need. They need to know that this treatment regimen is working. So the body is not only hold, her body's not only like, not just holding up, but like in light of what her body's going through is actually kind of thriving. And the cancer, this cancer that she has very much does not like the treatment. So it's working very, very well. Um, she has a couple days of just total outpatient where she'll only take some like at-home medication and we have to focus on maintenance of her, her central pick line, which is a, a, a form of IV administration that's a, um, it's a fixed um, entry point in the in the bicep and uh, a line goes all the way to the top. A 16-inch line goes to the top of her heart. Um, so they can administer the chemo, they can do transfusions, they can do infusions uh, much more easily without having to like needle a vein every time. Um, so aside from that, she gets to live, a, you know, a very quarantine-y life, but she's not in the hospital. And we will get into some clinic days. We will get into the clinic phase. There's going to be a lot of, um, you know, a lot more needles, a lot more labs, a lot more, some hospital stays and so on. But um, the treatment is working, which is the only thing that we need worry about at this point. 
Well, and you can't even give all the credit to the treatment because Anna's outlook on all of this, her mindset, her visualizations, her meditations, the support she's had, her positivity through all of it is such a, it's, it's, well, it's been, I mean, it's been scientifically proven that, that that has such an effect on the outcome and the results. So I think like that married with such an aggressive treatment has just yielded a really miraculous story and the most potent learning experience (laughs) about life that I've ever seen in like 34 days. I mean, the complete about face that you guys have had to do going from sheer like panic and terror and fear and anxiety to understanding this disease, making friends with it almost, you know, for her, I know she really had to like make friends with this cancer. And the treatment, by the way, which is oftentimes as, um, can put the body through as much as the cancer itself can. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it is really interesting. Um, and we've talked about this a number of times, but, um, we, the learning curve is, I think is fast. It has to be fast because, as our as her as our doctor as her 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 primary doctor told us when we got the she got the official diagnosis was like you don't like he was like i i don't mean to be hyperbolic but like you don't have time for a second opinion um like un, left untreated the and not just untreated like we we're just plain plainly unaware i mean and you know you talk about like the the kind of the deep work learning uh, taking place during an ordeal like this, but also just like the surface level learning, just like the 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 anatomy of the body or the science of medicine or 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 disease. Like this is this is a a, a disease, and I don't, you know I don't want to like get into the tedium of it, but this is a disease that very often it's very common, and it's in fact the m- most common leukemia in children under eighteen and under ten. Um, it's, it's absolutely the most common. And, and in fact, every 18 seconds, a person is diagnosed with leukemia and, um, it's insane. But, and the fact of the matter is, is that oftentimes how it presents, uh, are, it's very dismissible, uh, symptoms and we almost did ourselves. Um, you know, ultimately her, her particular, brand of leukemia, which is acute lymphoblastic leukemia, which there are then subtypes of that. She has what's called B-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia, pH negative. Um, What happens in this case is that cells called lymphoblasts basically begin replicating uh, in the bone marrow and take up the space in the bone marrow that which prohibits the production of all the things that our body needs, like red blood cells, white blood cells, platelets. Um, and it, so it prevents the body from doing it. So oxygen isn't getting uh, to the body where it needs to be in the blood. Um, platelets aren't, aren't active, so there's, there's no you know, blood clotting. Um, so some of the symptoms that you experience are like a little bit of fever, a little bit of little bit of fatigue. You know, she had all these symptoms that we ultimately were kind of willing to explain away as like maybe some long-term term COVID because she'd had COVID about six weeks before. 
Um, and it was the bruising on her leg, which still there are incidences of people, you know, developing mystery bruises on their legs, arms, stomach, you know, your trunk area. If you get phantom bruises in these places, you got to go to your doctor immediately and get, get a blood panel because people just say, well, I, br I bruise easy. You don't. Not, not like this. And you'll know and you'll feel weird about it. And you should definitely go get your, your blood checked because also I, I think certain types of diseases we tend to associate with a very distinct section of our population. I know leukemia was sort of one I'd always associated with children, but there are an incredible number of young adults, ages 18 to 39 and, and older adults that are getting these this, uh, you know, lymphoma or lympho, lymphoblastic leukemia or, or myeloid leukemia. Um, and they're in the thing of, about these particular forms is they're very, very aggressive. So it happens very, very fast. She had a clean blood panel in July and, you know, by December, her, her bone marrow was 96% cancer. I mean, it's just, it's kind of unheard of. I mean, yeah. well, I mean, it's not unheard of apparently. Like it's very, very heard of. It's very, yeah. You just, people don't, you got to keep an eye on it, but that's, so that's one less, that's one lesson. Um, uh, but I think the other lesson is, and you, you said it in the beginning of the episode, like life changes. So right ways changing. So the podcast is changing and like, that is, was our big lesson is like, we could, we could have sat there and like, why mead and gnashed our teeth and, and dug in our heels. And when life comes calling in that way, there's nothing to argue. There's no argument to have, you know, you can, you can why me all you want, but that's an argument that you're that you that's never going to get you anywhere. So the sooner that you can kind of accept and find the path to progress, the better off you're going to be. Well, and I was listening. I'm, I don't think you've listened to it yet, just with everything going on. But there is a a recent podcast with Aubrey Marcus and Doctor. Oh, I oh, listened did, to it, Doctor Zach Bush. I, Bush. I mean, yeah, I'm Bush. sorry. Was yeah. that not to me like the way these two evolved humans, these two men? We're talking about cancer, COVID, and even death as an upgrade, an up leveling in your consciousness. And that was that was the only that was the only thing that was said in that podcast. And I thought about leaving a comment in the episode. That was the only thing that was said in that episode that I took umbrage with. That death is the greatest upgrade. That was the only thing that sounded to me like typical anecdotal self-help really bullshit, oh my gosh yeah large i th i think largely unhelpful on a an acute level for for people like and aubrey tried to uh, aubrey attempted to make some clarifications to that statement too he tried to amend it he was like now now wait a minute like he really did try to like walk it back a little bit because while i think and this is a conversation that we need to have about that heel documentary on Amazon that was so fucking good. Um, these things are, this is, this is long-term. We're talking, we need to make sure that we differentiate between long-term generational individual deep work that needs to start and may never be finished. Um, and kind of like, 
the kind of stuff that will be helpful on an, on an acute level. And I, I think I took umbrage with it only because I'm, I'm watching, I watched my wife like face it so quickly and with very little other recourse. So for me, I looked at Zach Bush saying death is the greatest upgrade. And I was like, well, you look at it in the, it right in the face and say, yeah, that. I think cause he's looking at it. Like there is no, it's not death as we think about it. It, it truly is like, if, I mean, depending on what you believe in, like a complete rebirth, like you enter into rebirth. I totally, I totally get it. I, I, I do. And I, I, but I just think that in, in the context of the conversation that we're having, I was, that he was having, I was like, Oh, you wouldn't go up to a, a person running a marathon like five miles out and be like, you didn't train right. You should have trained different, <laughs> you know, right. like you, it's just not, it's just unhelpful. Um, but I think that everything else that they talked about and everything else that came up in particular, this idea of, and chemotherapy is a very masculine approach. This idea that we've been living on a, like life, like our society and life is a bird that has one wing and it's the masculine wing and it's just flying in circles and we have no respect or appreciation to the process driven feminine approach. Completely. I really loved that part of it and just because yeah. yeah, I think we think of masculine and feminine as as men and women, which it it goes so far, so far beyond that. Um and I don't know, like when they were talking about because the whole podcast is about letting go of, of fear and guilt and and effective, <laughs> effectively judgment, which is my closest friend. Judgment is my best friend. Oh, um, it's all of our, I mean, all of our like micro judgments oh my every God. second. Every so, second. you know, during COVID, like Alex and I um, have been a very united front about the way we think about this whole thing, about what we're doing for ourselves, about how we're interacting with the world and you know, we really surrounded ourselves with all different types of people. Um, but what's happening in the world with just all the mandates and the division and it's, it's really hard. I, I found that to be the hardest part of not having judgment when, when someone is presenting such a wildly different opinion or viewpoint than yours, which is, you know, what it means to walk through life. <laughs> like you're going to face, you know, all of these, these different opinions. And I think, you know, I've really been kind of diving deep into that. And while this is so on a small scale to what you're going through with Anna, you know, our, our 12 year old dog just died recently. And the experience was so oddly transcendent in a, in a very strange way. Like, I've, you know, I've, I've had a lot of pets in my life. Um, I've, we, we've lost a ton of them, but this dog was very special in that like Alex and I got her together after we first started dating. Um, she's was teeny tiny, only six pounds. You know, we've had her for 12 years, so longer than our daughter. And, you know, I've been really doing a lot of, of deep work and trusting my instincts and really trying to, to, to tune in and, and being present. And what I've realized about being present, and especially as it relates to this story in death is like, we want to be present when things are positive and when everything's good. And when like, oh, it's just a wonderful moment, but being present, I'm, I'm learning actually means being present to all of it, to the bad news, to 
the bad days to failures, to setbacks, to just the shifts that come in life and, and not masking it, not numbing it, not ignoring it, not moving on with it. And with our dog, like I'm a really good coper. I have very good coping mechanisms. And, you know, after she passed, it was like so sad for a day. And then it was like, well, got to get right back to it. But the experience with her, like long story short, nothing was wrong with her. You experienced her death quite intimately though. Very too, intimately. Say, right? yeah. Um, which is a, a, a really powerful, unforgettable moment. Um, so we, we had this dog. We also got two. we have, we have two quarantine cats as I call them that we got during quarantine. Our dog is definitely afraid or was definitely afraid of these cats. So we moved her into our gym, which is in the garage. So she lived like an indoor outdoor life and actually was happier than she'd ever been, but no issues, no complications with her at all. And then the, the night before she passed, I just noticed she was breathing very strangely. Like her, her stomach was like pulsating and she just did not look right. And she, this dog made eye contact with me and I was like, you're going to die tonight. I just know it. And so I wrapped her up in her little blanket. She has this one little, this zebra that she's been attached to for all 12 years. And, um, I just rocked her like a baby and talked to her and told her it was okay to let go. And then I called in Sophie and Alex and they had their separate time with her, um, which was really special and hard. I mean, we're not a family who like cries a ton. And ironically, I'd been saying like, God, I just want to I want to cry more. I want to be more emotional. I want to be more open. I want to be be more vulnerable. And then boom, you know, um, or not, or, or perhaps not be more emotional because you can be emotional and not be expressive. Sure. But like, sure. The actual catharsis of, of weeping is, is releases. The oh emotion. my gosh. And I, I just right? don't do that enough. And you know, so we were with her and I didn't want to leave her that night, but sometimes animals are are particular about like not passing until they're alone. But, you know, I stayed with her the longest and then put her down and made eye contact with her again and was like, this, this is it. And shut off the lights, slept like shit, got up early the next morning. I went in there and she wasn't in her bed and she was over to the left, her little legs were crossed, her head was turned, like she was just kind of hanging out and her eyes were open, but she was gone. And it was the strangest experience, like to have that knowingness and then to actually truly have it happen. And the aftermath was just really sad, but I had to, you know, I had to take her little body into this, (laughs) this like place where they cremate them, but I had to lay her in a little puppy casket, which was the strangest experience and like write her name on it and stay in there with her in this little room. And it was just, again, I think everything you're going through with Anna, everything that, I don't know, we've just been talking about and contemplating and then her just sudden passing really has been more about love than like anything else. And I know that sounds like cliche, but it's, it's, and through the, through this process, like you specifically and you and Anna, um, I mean, it's, it's been more about an expression of love than anything else than 
what you're losing out on or how your life's changing or what the protocol is going to be. It's just been this like massive, massive expression of love. And I, you know, as I'm examining my life as we're contemplating changes, um, personally, um, we're talking about some really, really big changes. I, I just think, you know, this has been such an interesting time of, of action and allowing and <laughs> receiving and, you know, just having to, having to just change your, your entire trajectory without attachment, which is so difficult. Well, I mean, you said it and I think like attachment also, I just like, just to preface this part of the conversation, I, I think that I don't believe in detachment and I understand that detachment is essential for a lot of the other stuff that we're talking about, but I've, I've made a recent decision where I'm like, nope, I don't like it. I think that you can decide. I, I really, I, I think that you're right. And I think that it's moments like this. I think it's moments like these moments, like, you know, the death of Neruda where, um, Obviously, like, also, your dog's name is Neruda. I'm not talking about, like, Pablo yeah. Neruda. I'm talking about your, your dog. Uh, I think that these are the moments that force us to... I mean, we go around talking the talk, and a lot of people go around talking the talk. We all talk the talk. I mean, we we sit on a microphone or on a podcast, or, like, people in, in positions of influence that are kind of in this sphere of, like, uh, mindfulness and self-improvement and... Um, uh, um, and wellness are, are kind of talking to this talk all the time, but this is truly one of those moments. And it's, it's a moment that Joe Dispenza talks about, which is like, if you don't make a change or make an appropriate change or activate in that way, the universe will force you to. And these are the, these are the moments that are like, okay, you can talk it. Can you, can you now apply it? Can you walk the walk? And I think that one of the thing I think why also why Zach Bush's comment rubbed me the wrong way and why certain elements of um of this approach to like to life in with with a in an like life is an act of love and you're absolutely right and everything is it shouldn't be about we shouldn't dwell on the death. We should celebrate the life. Everything should be an act of love and everything should be an act of gratitude. And I do think one of the things that this, this, these circumstances have done for Anna and I have at every opportunity, and we've also been very lucky. I want to point that out that like of people in our circumstances, like she got a, she has a particular kind, if you have to get leukemia, she has a particular kind of leukemia that appears to be infinitely treatable. We were, we had good insurance. We had some savings. We were able to like even level up and get better insurance. Like we had all of these like great opportunities. We've had an incredible, incredible help from our families. We've had an incredible, we have an incredible support structure in you guys, in our close friends, our, our friend, our, our, our you know, our friend family, our extent, extended family, our right way family, clients. Like we've, it's just been an incredible outpouring of love. So we've had the opportunity to do that. But I also recognize that not everybody has those kind of opportunities in the same circumstances. 
And so I think that it's always a battle to walk the walk when you get into these type of situations. But I also think that there are circumstances that maybe will be even more of, you know, could be even more of a challenge. So I, I also think that we as humans have to be selective. And one of the things that we can't forget is that we are also human. And I think, I think one of the things that one of the offshoots of, of mindfulness and, and, and self-improvement that I, I think has, is taking us down the wrong path is like what, what they're now calling toxic positivity, which is like, is, is, is being, being, being positive under all circumstances. And I think in my mind, I'm like, no, I, I don't have to do that. And in fact, there are, there are going to be these experiences. You can live them with love. You can, you can survive these experiences with an act of love. You can practice gratitude, but also you get to decide what parts of this experience you want to take with you and what you want to leave behind. And I'm sure there are, there are parts of, of experience, like certain harrowing experiences in your life that you've overcome, that there are parts that you're like, okay, there was a lesson there and, and I'm, I'm not going to forget that. But there are parts where you're like, no, I don't, I didn't like that part. I can leave that behind. Like, you know, there's a lot of lessons that we're both my wife and I are experiencing in this whole ordeal. And we'll continue to, because we've got many years ahead uh, of the same thing. I mean, she's got three more years of treatment and then she's got to be in remission for five years to be considered cured. So at least for the next decade, but, and so there are a lot of like great, like we've, we've learned all these lessons. I feel very much that everything you said is correct, that it's been an, it's been an act of love. We've expressed gratitude. We exercised our right to accept and move forward. Um, Simultaneously, there are parts of this where I'm like, I never ever, when, when we were in the ER in Durango and they first told us like, there's an 80% chance this is leukemia. And the doctor left the room, uh, the doctor and the, the nurse left the room and my wife looked up at me, tears streaming down her face and she said, I don't want to die. And that is officially a memory that I don't want. And I never, ever want to undergo it, like experience it again. And I never want anybody that I else to ever have to experience anything like that. Because it's not, it's not good. And even though it changed me at a, as a person, there might be lessons there. Like, I don't, I didn't like it. I don't like it. And I don't, I don't, I don't think about it fondly. And I don't have to. And, and that's part of being human is you get to decide. You get to you get to be selective. And I but I think the trouble lies for most of us is the traumatic experiences that we all, all collect and go through from the time we're children up, you know, until adulthood and um, you know, during our our last moments, we if we don't deal with certain things or we don't release these experiences, they can get stuck in our nervous system and I think that's what I'm actually coming to realize the most is like, oh yeah, you know, I've had some shitty things happen, some really scary, scary moments, uh, some really dark moments in my life, like most people. And you think you, you talk them through or that you just move on because the world moves so fast and, you know, now more than ever, right? Like people are just on to the next thing, on to the next thing. Everything moves so fast that you don't have time to sit with your grief or 
work through anything in a timeline that works for you because bills have to be paid. Shit has to get done. You have to move on. And I don't think we allow ourselves the grace period to sit with those moments or to release them, but like fully release them out of our systems. And a lot of time, you know, if we go back and we revisit our childhood or or painful traumatic experiences, there's usually a protocol for that. And a lot of people like, oh no, I don't want to do therapy or I don't want to talk about that or I moved on. But I'm, as I continue like to study, you know, all these amazing things about like the biology of belief and neuroscience and and just all these things that I, I think are fascinating because we don't really understand the way our brains work and how our bodies, you know, interact with the brain. I just know that there there's so much that we could probably release if we knew how. But even like hearing you talk about leukemia now and how much you know, you could call it surface level. It sounds much, much beyond surface level, but how much you know, it boggles my mind that we are so ignorant when it comes to how our bodies work, how our brains work, how we digest food, how our environment affects, you know, affects absolutely everything, how negative words can shape a child, how, you know, it's just so complex and, we all walk around so unconscious about what it is that really matters, how how we should be living. And it's just so easy now to not be awake. And Wow. That's I think you this is to me, and you know, all things being equal, like uh fear and guilt huge and, and we need to let go of judgment and and there's a fine line between coping and denial and all of that stuff. But I think what you just said about is really about like we're most of us are sleepwalking and, and and you're right. We, we live in a society that continues to accommodate that. And I think there are people at, you know, who are really hurting and who are living in poverty and who are trying to, you know, survive every day. And they're probably more alive than most of us because they're facing their survival mechanisms are switched on every day. And now you don't, you don't want to live like that maybe, but it's better than, you know, living app to app or email to email. Um, and, and that's what we're doing. And that's what most people are doing. I realize that most of us are doing, I, I'm, I do it. Oh, complete. I mean, we are all such consumers of other people's lives. Like I was thinking about that, like, okay, how many, how many podcasts do I listen to? How many hours do I spend listening to what other people think about things? (laughs) Or if I'm contemplating eating a certain way, cool, let me check out what this expert says. And let me read these books and, and let me check out this app because this is going to tell me how to move my body when I do yoga. And this app's going to tell me how I should breathe or how I should meditate. And it's like, Helen, it's all, yeah, all of those, like, like the top five things all CEOs do. It's like a hack for everything. They get up at 3am and they read 10 newspapers online. Then they read 50 blogs and then they listen to five podcasts do 20 push-ups drink a protein shake and like who the fuck cares i'm not doing any of that no it well it's i I think the lesson and if that's how you live if that's how you're connected to life that's one thing but well um, the lesson is we've got to start 
listening to ourselves. I mean, we miss these cues that our our bodies tell us, that our brains tell us, because we're so busy mucking it up with with other people's information. And I just think it's so easy. It's so easy to numb ourselves out and to other, other people's information and our own misinformation, our own misinformation. I mean, and it, it worries me. I know I've talked about it before, but just, you know, again, I see my, my daughter, she's a huge multitasker, multi-focuser. Like she'll be, she can't eat without like reading something at the same time. She'll be listening to a podcast while drawing, while doing like, something else at the same time. And, you know, I watch her, her brain and like how it shifts and moves and how she's always again, consuming, consuming, consuming something. And I don't know, I just more and more with, with meditation lately and breathing, because sometimes I'll put on music or I'll set a timer or I follow, you know, I do some different breathing protocols that are guided. And lately I have just been sitting down silently with no phone, no app, no, nobody's voice in my ear and just dropping in. And I think it's like yesterday. Okay. This was kind of an uncomfortable moment, but, um, (laughs) yesterday, Alex and I went to this little tiny home getaway. That's only like an hour, a little over an hour away from Nashville. And, us. Sophie didn't want to go. So it was just going to be the two of us. And we haven't been anywhere just he and I and, and since our anniversary in November. So I was like, cool, this will just be like a fun little getaway. And Alex has been in a, I don't know, just been like in a really great space lately. And he didn't sleep well the night before and was just in a terrible mood. He was completely silent, um, which people who know me, like being silent to me, or just not talking to me is like my worst nightmare. It's I, I love to talk. I want to talk. I want to hear, you know, what, <laughs> what somebody has to say. So he was just like not in a good mood before we left. And I was like, do you not want to go? Like, you don't have to go if, if you don't want to go. And he was like, no, I'll go. So we get in the car and he doesn't fucking say a word. Like the whole car ride, like not a word. And I'm and there's a point to this story, but like I'm sitting in my passenger seat fuming like, oh, my God, we all like road trips are our things. And like, why isn't he talking? Is something wrong? You know, I just started to spin the fuck out. So then I put a podcast on and I was like, no, fuck this. I'm not I'm not listening to a podcast. And instead of being mad for no apparent reason, I just kind of like dropped in and just started letting my mind wander while staring out the window. And, you know, later Alex and I were talking about it once we got there. He's like, nothing, nothing was wrong. Like sometimes I just want to be silent and I just want to think. And that's really all it was. And it was so funny because I'm so used to talking on the phone all the time, to engaging with clients, to returning emails, to, you know, being in reactive mode that I was so reactive to that silence because it was so uncomfortable. I'm like, when am I quiet outside of that morning ritual where I'm I'm breathing or or sitting and meditating? Like, when am I silent in when I'm sharing space with someone? And that is a different type of conversation. It's a different type of intimacy and awareness to be with someone, but but to be silent and to see what insecurities and demons actually do creep up. 
And it was funny that my first instinct was to stick a podcast on so I didn't have to sit there with my own uncomfortable thoughts, which brings me back to that like being present comment. It's so hard to be present with yourself when what you're dealing with isn't a fun, you know, quote unquote, positive feeling. And I, I think that is what it means to be human. And it, you know, it, it allows us to care deeper and it allows us to connect more. And your, your comment about detachment, I mean, I agree with you. Like I, I have a very strange relationship with attachment versus detachment. I, have an ability to detach very easily because I think it's a coping mechanism. Like we're, this is a little preliminary, but you know, like we're, my family, we're contemplating selling every single possession that we own and hitting the road in spring, selling our house, selling my lovely writing studio, selling all my books, selling, you know, what clothes we don't want down to our dishes and getting rid of all of our mementos, all of my journals, all of our photographs, like everything, like getting rid of everything. And I live with two humans who attach to materialistic items, to objects, to things. And I think like it's a, I've never done this before. I think it'll be a very interesting experiment to see if I can detach from the life that I've built, the comfort zone that I've created. And it's a, I mean, it's a strange thing because I really crave home and I crave my creature comforts, but I think that's why we're doing it because I think there's a point where you can get so comfortable. And you said it before, you said, if this had not happened to you and to Anna, you would have had to have been dragged out of your apartment in Durango, like kicking and screaming mm-hmm. because house. I mean, we had, we built like, you built a beautiful life. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, and, and honestly, and this is how, this is how deep attachment to like lifestyle or material possessions or, or, I mean, it doesn't even have to be individual material possessions. It can be just like the assembly of things that we have, turn like that we have that we associate with comfort or or security or you know um uh we we have we've been we've we've done something similar although we didn't choose it we are spontaneously relocated to denver um because she has to be near the clinic she has to be near the the treatment center and like Durango is just on this side of inconvenient enough where it just wouldn't work. And obviously under, you know, in that context, it was very easy to say like, of course we're going to do whatever we got to do. It's life or death. We're going to, we'll do whatever. I'll do whatever. At the same time, I'm doing a lot of, I'm, I'm in a, I've been in a deep internal struggle with, with, with letting go of course of that and I, and i i still i i'm still clinging i mean well, it's like there's a difference. it's literally like my my nails like of in the you know because in the hardwood floor you like, didn't uh, choose it i mean that's the thing so we're we're on opposite like we're experiencing opposite things right like we've cultivated this life just like you guys have and you 
you get attached to it. Like I will ball like a baby when we sell this house. Yeah, but I think yours is harder. I think yours. I think the. I think choosing it is. Harder oh, I don't know. Than, I mean, I don't know. Than not than not having a choice because you you have to confront the choice of detachment. And then you have to detach and, and then, then you you're going to have to deal with the <laughs> aftermath. aftermath of detachment. Right. I only right. have to cope with the detachment with the after a detachment aftermath. Right. Because I, because the concept of the, of approaching the choice and the concept of the choice itself were made for, for me. So I think, I actually think your circumstance, I think choosing it would be more difficult to be honest. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, it's very strange because you know, I've really realized like while judgment is my best friend, comfort, my like a comfort zone, creating a comfort zone, that is a close second. And I think for a lot of people, it's been so easy to slip into a, a massive comfort zone over the past two, almost three years, because we've had to, we've had to create this bubble that keeps us safe that where we can still, you know, figure out how to make a living and, and keep ourselves physically safe. And, to think about like breaking out of that purposefully and going and doing something just completely wild. Um, you know, you guys and your story has been such an impetus for this though, because it is something we have been talking about forever. I mean, Alex and I always thought we'd live our lives this way and just kind of every couple of years, like hit the road and then you become a parent and then you tell yourself, all the reasons you, why you can't do that, why kids need structure and stability. And you build this domestic life that I personally suffocate in. I feel stagnant. My soul, like the, the creative person in me, the writer in me craves experience and not even newness. It's not, it's, it's not that. I mean, I love our lives. I'm, I'm grateful for it, but I also really, want to be an active participant in my life. And I feel like there is a bit of a difference in that, especially lately, like every day is, is Groundhog Day. And I, I feel like shit sitting here saying that because looking at what you guys have gone through and all of the changes. Literal Groundhog Day. <laughs> no, <laughs> not, 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 not Groundhog not Day. True. I mean, it's been like the opposite no. of that. And like, I'm not, I'm not sitting here like complaining about that. I'm just waking up to the fact of my own existence, I guess, and figuring out like, okay, if, if I can change my thoughts, I can, you know, change my mind about things. But if I don't, act on something and we don't take those steps to, to move, whether it's physically, um, or otherwise, like nothing's ever really going to change. And we're just going to sit around talking about it. And I don't know, it really feels like a season for, for action. Um, and for, for, change, for change, for change, yeah. like, because, because life is going to unfold. And I think, you know, to be clear, I think that our perception of life needs to be, I think, I think it maybe needs to be static. And I think that needs to be kind of fixed. Like how we, the, the approach of how we deal with life needs to be the, sa the same for us to be sane. And I think that that, I think that, that, the, that way is everything that we've talked about. It's like the way of love. It's the way of gratitude. It's the way of acceptance. Um, but I think the action that we take has to 
has to inspire change. Um, because it's that, and, and for, for all of the control freaks out there of which I am one, it's a way, it's a, it's a way to, it's a way to take back control for everything that's uncontrollable, which all of it is uncontrollable. The only, the only consistency in life is change. The only, it's the only constant. And if we can change with it, we kind of, um, one up the world and we one up life in that way. Um, and it, and it makes us fluid, like, you know, um, and it's, it's like, when you, you know, if you're whitewater rafting and you drop into like stage four rapids, you like your perception, you stay still while you're floating down the rapids with your feet, your feet first and your arms out so you can float and you can breathe. And then when you get the opportunity to swim to shore, you fucking start early and you swim like hell so you can get to shore. Like you take action, um, um, and create change and, yeah, I, I mean, and and I think it even seems foolish sometimes to to listen to people talk about this kind of stuff, and it's unfortunate because I'm absolutely so fascinated with, you know, mindset shit and 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 you know all the stuff that we you got me into and we talk about and um, uh, it's absolutely the only thing I ever want to talk about is how is how we reckon with this one weird life that we're given. Um, or many weird iterations of this life that we're given. Um, and I think that it's, it can be very easy to listen to people talk about it and can be very easy to talk about it, but it does, it does unfold in weird ways. And, you know, we had a conversation a while back about how, you know, I was kind of going through like a rough, like workless patch, um, a frustrated patch where I, I nonetheless was meditating like two hours every day. And in a weird way, I was in the best psychic shape that I've, that I've ever been in. And the moment, and things came around again, things were cyclical again, because there is, there is abundance in life and what you are seeking is seeking you. Uh, but the moment that happened, it was like, it's like that old, there's an old, like, um, I can't, I don't know what, where the saying came from, but it goes, when the sailor's at shore, he prays no more. And you know, I got busy again, and then all of a sudden, I wasn't meditating again, and I found myself in 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 a in a worse condition of mental health, and that was really frustrating me. So then I was like out of balance again, and then this happened, and it just it was an event that like even stripped away the 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 concept of balance, which is which is which that can also happen. We talk about getting out of alignment and being in alignment. And then you can go through things in life where alignment isn't even a concept that you need to need to consider like there, or, or the concept of being misaligned or in alignment is gone. You just are. And I, I almost think that that is the stage of like, that is the transcendence right there where everything is not one thing. It's not about being one thing or the other. It's about being both or neither. In fact. Oh man, that's, I feel like we could get into a whole different can of worms with that. That's fascinating and so true. I mean, yeah. So at the end of this, you know, 34 days thus far, like what is your biggest takeaway from what you've, what you've learned about your own, your own life or how you've lived it up until this point? 
uh, I have so much more shit to deal with and, and I have so much more work to do. Um, and I know I could say that I know more than I did before, which is maybe true, but actually the reality is like, I, I know nothing and I will continue to, I think, know nothing. I think that, um, you know, one of the things that I feel right now is, is this idea of like, it's not one way or the other. That's not what being a human on this plane is. It's, it's just not. And, um, you know, we have done, I think in philosophically and, 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 uh, theologically, um, and then socially, certainly socially, we, we really, we really divide and subdivide and categorize. And, and if, you know, we, you don't want to be this, you want to be that you don't, you know, if you're this, you're unhealthy, but if you're this, you're, you know, you're on, you're on track. Um, and, uh, I think that, uh, my, my biggest lesson is, or the biggest lesson that I've learned because I'm, have been a person that's always been trying to be, has always felt one thing and wants to be the other. I always feel like a failure, so I want to be successful. I always feel, I feel overweight, so I want to be thin. I feel tired, so I want to be rested or whatever. And now I'm just like, it doesn't, those, it doesn't matter. Those aren't actually, those aren't, those aren't things under certain circumstances. And then the, the lesson on top of that is like, you don't then live in that transcendence all the time. So there's no, I, I think there's no such thing as like transcending and then being enlightened and never going back to not being enlightened. You are always both. And so while I'm, while I have, while we've done all this amazing work on, on accept. And I also have to say, which I've not said yet, which is kind of pitiful, like my, you, and you said it, thank you. My wife is like a weird Zen warrior goddess. Oh my God. And she's so fucking incredible. She's actually done quite <laughs> a bit. Incredible. She's done quite a bit more care. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I would be like crying at her bedside and she would be the one that would be like, it's okay. It's okay. And like, so I, can't tell you how easy having a partner like that makes all this. Um, but, but I, but I know that as much as I accept and want to move forward, I also have to allow myself the, I have the right to have to be, still be attached or even though I'm at peace with it, I still have the right to be angry. Um, it just is not, we're always looking for the, we're always looking to be the, the new thing and not have to be the old thing anymore. And that's, I don't think, I just don't think that's, that's not going to happen. And you can reinvent and that's fine. But reinvention is just an adaptation. It's just a slight change in the old thing into a newer thing. So you still have a lot of component parts of the old thing. Um, in, in addition to maybe some, some like, you know, some new add-ons, but you're never, we're never not the old thing anymore. We're never free of ourselves. Yeah. I mean, any and all versions of ourselves. Right. And I mean, that's, that's the ultimate kicker. I think like, even when we're talking about selling everything and moving, it's not going to fundamentally fix 
issues <laughs> that we might have with ourselves or each other. My daughter's not going to wake up and suddenly be the neatest person who like pays attention and puts her shit away. It's just not going to happen. And I'm not going to be the patient, loving, like, you know, mother that I, I dream of that I have glimpses of, but that's not who I am. And Alex isn't going to be like this energized, like morning person just because he's not living the same routine again. Like it's, we still have to face who we are. And I mean, I think you said it so beautifully, that that we're always both. I mean, we're and we're always this version and that version. And, you know, again, we've talked about it before, but you and I did have that week of of I think what was total transcendence and and reaching this mental level, uh, you know, when we were doing this really deep work and I thought like, I'm never going to lose it. I'm never going to go well, back to the old how, way. And in a how week, about this? Did you ever think, did you think like I did if I ever... I'm not this, then I've, I've failed. Yeah. Oh, then I failed. And like, I have to be able to have access to this. Which, and- which is preposterous. You can't fail or succeed at mindfulness. Mm. There's no, it doesn't yes. exist. Ugh, so we that. do that. We, we, we transactionalize everything. I yes, mean, that's, we do. That's kind of well, like, we're so here for that. And I think we've just capitalized on, on mindfulness and positivity and like just all the things people making some mad money (laughs) joe Dispenza's is making some mad i love his stuff yes i love his work but he's making some insane he's he's keeping a stable full of italian uh, (laughs) horses horses. yep (laughs) but i mean i think that that is ultimately the the point of of all of this is just like paying attention to you and loving your people and loving yourself all of yourself the good the bad the attachment the detachment the mistakes the failures the the beautiful moments and just tuning in and waking up and staying conscious to all of it which which is not easy to do um so easy to tune out but you know at the end of the day it's it's all we have and that's it. I you mean, know? you, you said, you said it perfectly. And I, I have not wanted to like, you know, I, I, in communicating with, with some people over text or email while, especially in the, like the early, I, I can't believe it's only been a month. It literally feels oh, like Oh, it lifetime. feels like 10 years. Uh, yeah. Seriously. But, but I, but in the, you know, early on, I, I, of course I don't, you know, I'm not going to be the type of person that's like, well, Although in my mind, it was easy to do that. It was so easy to look around at like to resent healthy people and look around and be like, you just don't get it, man. <laughs> you know, you don't get it. Like, like I get it. And and that's not true because it's not a fucking competition. But one of the things that I did allow myself to say is I would just say like, hug your people tight and live every second of your life. Like, and that doesn't mean like, I'm not, I'm not saying like live it up. I'm just saying like be, be there. there, be, be, be awake in your life. Yes. Be in yeah. your life. And it's just yeah. so easy to not be today. Um, so with all that being said, podcast listeners, we're contemplating changing the name of this podcast from right way to the real story. And that really allows us to keep talking about what we're talking about, but you know, we can really dive a little bit deeper and expand a little bit further into things we want to talk about. And yeah. And, and to keep talking, to keep dispensing some, you know, some good old fashioned, like, 
uh, tips and tricks and to keep like talking about the industry and like to talking, talking about like writer journeys and, and, and the stuff that we love to talk about anyway, but it's time for us to, we're eager to kind of, I don't know, like get real. Yeah. To get, <laughs> we want to get the real story. Oh my God. Can we do a new intro? And it's, Oh my like God. That's the intro. <laughs> Actually. Can we get your brother to do yes. that? Like, yes. The wrestler can. voice. Oh my God. That would be so fantastic. <laughs> okay. So we were going to ask you guys what you thought, but, yeah, but now it we're sounds like it. we're just going to do now it. So. Do All it. right. never mind. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening guys. It's so nice to have you back, Joe. I have oh my God. so missed so our conversations and I mean, holy shit, we love and you. And also, I have to give a big shout out um, to you, by the way, so that everyone knows this. Uh, there hasn't been a more um, supportive or present or loving uh, friend, confidant, uh, co-creator, uh, co-conspirator, and uh, business partner than you. So, oh, thank you um, so much. No, thank you, honestly. <laughs> <laughs>